This is an ABC podcast. NFT, um, non-fungal, fungible, what is it? We never know. Fungible token? Token, Non-fungible. I still don't understand what they do. Bang. Bang. Dun, 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 dun. Bang. Dun, dun. Bang. Bang. Bang on. Who's going first? <laughs> I'm just staring at you across the table. That was a great beautiful. Hello. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. How was your week away? Really good. I'm still technically um, on leave from work, but... Oh, did you come into work just for me on your holiday? Work being my kitchen table, yeah. yes. <laughs> There's a reason I did it too. We'll, we'll explain why later. It's got something to do with me loving round numbers. Um, oh, and- you're joking. <laughs> It's got something to do with me being a little bit OCD, but you'll, I'll explain oh, that later on. I think on. I know what it is. Yeah, well, hang around for the end of end of this chat today and but you'll find wait, out there's exactly still more. why. Um, but you know I always love our catch-ups. Yeah. And it's been a bloody big week. I mean, the biggest story of the week is by far Adele. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, there's been so much Adele stuff. Not just the album coming out, but everything around the album. It's just been, it's been wild for her. Like, I love this for her. Everyone who is a fan has been waiting for this record. What's it been? Six years since the last one? Six years since the last one, yeah. And this one charts her experiences when she was 30 and it's a breakup record and... Oh, it's a breakup record. And everyone's into it. And look, weirdly enough, and I feel really bad, I haven't listened to it yet. Isn't that terrible? Like, I I clearly aren't doing my job properly. I forgot that I'd need to actually... (laughs) Like, I was so consumed with what was going on around the record, I forgot to actually listen to the record. So I'm slapping myself. (laughs) You've got time and you're not interviewing her. More on that later. So you don't need to have listened to it. But she did, I mean, if you look at, if you take a step back and, you know, from me uh, working in the music industry, I look at this with um, both, you know, interest as an Adele fan, but also from a work perspective, you couldn't have planned a more perfect rollout. She had those two beautiful concerts, that interview with Oprah and the gorgeous concert in front of the Griffith Observatory in LA, which just looked incredible. Famous people filling the audience. And then she did the same thing in the UK where she did an ITV special Mm. with a whole bunch of celebs. An evening with, I think it was called, which I love. Asking questions. Yeah. and Uh, Just so good. And she was clearly honoured to be doing a show like that. Yeah. Something that she'd grown up watching of other artists and getting the opportunity to do that. And there was a beautiful, beautiful moment. It was almost too, too wholesome. Um, (laughs) Did you get a little toothache as you were watching? Yeah, for it to be real when it happened. But it was just so beautiful and it was so perfect. She spoke about a teacher who was really cool when she was going through high school, I guess, around about year eight, and she had this wonderful teacher, but only for a year, who came in and had great earrings and was really inspiring and did dancing, was her English teacher. And she said this woman had great impact on her, made her really want to go go forward and do what she wanted to do and ended up doing. And then they, of course, said, well, that teacher is in the audience. Oh, my God. Could we just take a little listen to that, actually? No, no. What did you do? They just dancing. No, I'm just looking after my family. Oh, my <laughs> just God. Dancing. Oh. Sorry. Oh. Don't cry. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for remembering me. Thank oh, you. no, 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 you really, you really did change my life. Mum! Mum, can you believe it? She's over there, she doesn't want to be filmed. Oh, now I've got to get my old face redone. <laughs> oh, my God, how are you? I haven't I'm seen good. you since I was like... Well, do you have kids? What are you doing? Yeah, I've got two kids. You've got I've got two um, kids. Sky and Hayden. Hi, guys. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you're here. 
I send them or something? So yeah, can... of course, of oh, course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, I've got my makeup fixed. Don't miss. Oh, it felt a little bit this is your life, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and here she is. <laughs> but I was here for it. Oh, I loved it. I cried. And like, so did everyone in that like room. A drain. It was beautiful. It was like, oh, she and she called her miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, miss. And it was just it was just adorable. But it for me it was it was a real indicator of I think for everyone, there's always that one teacher, isn't there? If you if you enjoyed school, usually you've had a great teacher. And even if you didn't enjoy school, there's often someone who made you feel as though you were welcome, even yeah. if you were a square peg in the round Absolutely. hole. Like the teachers were the people who gave you a sense of, of belonging, who made sense of a, a space and a world that maybe was confusing you otherwise. Or and made they, they or changed made you, your world. Yeah, or maybe completely made you fall in love with the world in a different way to yeah. just being a kid. Did you have one of those teachers of when you're going through I high did, school? Yeah, and I just want to preface this with teachers don't get paid enough and they don't have a enough respect in our society. What they do for kids is astounding and what they've done in the last couple of years during COVID has been equally, well, has been unbelievably astounding. I, I just, I think they're wonderful and I couldn't do it. It's exhausting. Oh, God, no. My partner's a teacher <laughs> and I, I've always loved teachers and had great respect, but watching him operate mm. in the last two years, you know, particularly we, we live in Melbourne and it's mm. been the longest lockdowns and he's been teaching through Zoom. And that's been kind of a joy for me because I've heard, I've always thought you sound like a cool teacher, the way yeah. that he tells me about the things that he's teaching his kids yeah. and stuff like that. But I literally got to hear him teach. I'm like, God, you're a cool teacher. You're a really good teacher. <laughs> but I agree, like they, they work their guts out and they, you know, don't get... Um, um, rewarded for it in the way that they should. But yeah. who was your favourite when you are going through high school? Well, I had a music teacher, Anne Dwyer, who I still keep in contact with to this day. I love that. And she was amazing. I was playing piano and I didn't think I was very good, but she came in, rolled into town and she was quite, she was quite a bit younger than, than most of the teachers around me, but she sort of suggested to me that I could do something with my playing. Mm. And she was the one who encouraged me to keep going. And I started learning from her, but not just that, she also introduced me to a lot more music on a theoretical level. And, and it just opened my world. It blew open this box that had not even, you know, it was a small box. It was about to become a a, a trunk, you know, like it was like, (laughs) oh, oh shit. You know, and I was pretty sheltered. I lived in a very small country town, six hours from a big city, no internet. All we had was magazines and TV and it just changed my life. I'd never heard of any, like there was no Triple J either at that point in our town. And I I don't even think there was until way after the time I left. So what she introduced me to musically was things that I would never have heard before. And, Mm. yeah, just completely blew the world open for me and yeah and because of her I guess I I am where I am you know in so many ways. That's pretty amazing. Yeah because I mean I probably would have been fine but I might not have taken this path. Yeah. You know I might not have might not have followed that musical avenue as as far. So yeah thanks Anne you're awesome. What a legend I love that you're still in contact with her as well. Yeah she she um pocket dialed me she she (laughs) bummed She bummed on me the other day. Good on you, Ms. Dwyer. And I was like, Ms. Dwyer, what, what are you doing? What, why, are you, why are you FaceTiming me? <laughs> Love it. What about you? And she did. She texted back and said, sorry, pocket call. <laughs> I was like, oh, you don't want to talk? <laughs> Here if you need. 
Um, I had a teacher who was an English lit teacher. Uh, it's so, always English or music. It's always the creative ones, isn't it? it? It's so easy, isn't it? And, and, okay, so this is a challenge to teachers doing accounting and all sorts of things. You can step it up. Well, that's the thing. I sort of feel as though if I'd had teachers that were exciting in science or maths, then I would have been more excited by that. Mm. That's the kicker, isn't it, when you've got a teacher that's kind of phoning it in, mm. those worlds close to you. I've always been shit at those fields and I kind of, you know, mm. I regret that. But my English literature teacher, Lance Patford, was amazing and he's sadly no longer alive. Um, he died of cancer quite a few years ago. But he was amazing. He looked like a koala, which was a plus. He was the <laughs> cutest little man, wore these little woolen vests. And I just remember he had this, um, it was almost like a catchphrase. Like we'd obviously, it was year 11 literature that I um, studied with him. And whenever we discuss a text, you know, as we were going through the discussion, he'd always say, questions, comments, questions, comments. Mm. And it was kind of this lyrical almost catchphrase, which we sort of took the piss out of a little bit. But yeah. it just reminded me constantly that we should always be questioning what we're reading. Don't just take the canon as mm. it is, you know, think about what it means. And even if you don't have a question, how does it make you feel? And that yeah. was just this constant reminder and he was just so curious and not only of the world of literature but also of what we thought of it and that never left. He was an amazing teacher. He was a beautiful Aww. man. So Mr Patford um, was one of my favourite teachers. We are so lucky to have had those experiences and I think every kid deserves that as yeah. well. So, yeah, it's just, oh. Oh, it's beautiful. Maybe Matt Duran needed a good English teacher <laughs> to ask him, well, have you ever thought about doing some research? Yeah. We talk a lot about doing your own research. And Matt yeah. Duran, who was the Channel 7 journalist, who doesn't usually trade in entertainment, I think he's usually a finance reporter. I did go to Russia uh, and report on what was happening at the Sochi Winter Olympic Games with him. So he's also a sports reporter. Bit of everything. Bit of everything. Well-rounded reporter, I guess. Okay. Um, wouldn't strike me as someone you'd send to go and interview Adele on one of the biggest album releases in the world. Uh, nice guy, but I just I just wouldn't have put those two together. But he was sent to Los Angeles. Yeah. And it was part of it what looked like a whole package where mm. Channel 7 had bought the rights to screen the Oprah interview, that concert in LA. I didn't know if the Oprah interview was going to be screened. Oh, I thought it was. this is my understanding was that he was to do the interview. Okay. And then they wouldn't have to pay a million dollars for the Oprah interview. Oh, my God, I'm so confused. We need um, to see contracts. I know, I know. Well, this is my <laughs> understanding is that, that this was going to mean, you know, they only they only paid a million bucks for the Oprah one because the Matt Doran one didn't eventuate. Oh, okay. Because apparently he didn't listen to the record. Yeah. And he... Um, and he told her so. And so they took the tapes. And this also asks a lot of questions about what is an interview for a news organisation anymore if the artist can take the tapes back? Yeah, well, you sent me a great piece from Carl Quinn who's been writing for The Age for many years about this world of celebrity interviews and, you know, the... The basic reality is, as we've talked a lot about in Bang On, is that, you know, a lot of these big artists don't need the traditional media anymore because no. they've got their own direct line to fans through social media and really traditional media is, you know, begging of that opportunity of the artists to get yeah. the ratings as opposed to vice versa. But the the kind of deals that are struck and the terms and conditions, um, things like no personal questions, you know, you can't mm. bring up controversial past statements or any behaviour, any incidents that are off limits. You've got to ask only about the book or TV mm. show or movie or album in question, even if it's no good. And 
There's all of oh, these rules. We've all been there. Uh, you well, it. you've interviewed a lot of famous people, <laughs> you know, no less than Beyonce, of course. That's right. Do you, were you given a whole bunch of rules and regulations before you went into that room? No, but I've experienced these kind of interviews where they set up the cameras themselves. Yeah. So you get the footage at the end, you yeah. take that with you. So they do, if something goes wrong, possibly have the ability to go, you can't have that footage. Which is what they so did in the Adele interview. Which is exactly what they did. And... Quite often it's so set up in a way that you've got three minutes. Like I had three minutes with Matt Damon or a minute and a half with Matt Damon once, you know, and it's just nuts. It's crazy. And that's how they get because all the, the camera gear is set up, the lighting is set the junkets. up. junkets. Yeah, and that's how they get so many interviews across the board. And what Carl Quinn is saying is that because every news outlet needs content but they also don't want to be pipped for content that, people might read, mm. i.e. an Adele interview. So they agree to these conditions and he says in terms of um, taking control or, or, or having true editorial control, uh, we, we've given that up because it's been a death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. But then on the other side, I also understand why someone like Adele might have conditions around interviews. Like she's, she's made her art. That is what she's speaking to us. And if you listen to the album, that it it is such, it's a letter to her heartbreak. It it couldn't be more explicit. Mm. So I can totally understand. Like, and to me, to me, it's like, that's enough. Like, she doesn't even really need to talk. And so why does she talk? Why does she agree to interviews? But if she doesn't need to, she wants to sell records. But she would sell them regardless, don't you think? I think at this stage, yes. She could do two big interviews in the world. Yeah, I think at this stage, yes. And she'd be fine. I think so. I think so. But in terms of interviews, I think she'd be doing the bare minimum anyway. Yeah. You do one Oprah, that's America covered. That's the North America covered. Which kills me as to why Matt Doran. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of Australian journalists are like, send me. I know. I saw so many people say, look, if Zandro had been sent for that, (laughs) it would have been amazing. Yumi Steins put her hand up. She said, I could have done that. We're all keen. We're all keen. That's the thing. There are so many music journalists. Something this illustrated to me was the lack of respect sending someone like that to an interview who, I, I look, I don't know, is he an Adele fan? I'm not sure. It doesn't matter if you're a fan or not. Um, it just, there's just a real lack of respect towards arts journalism in this country. Yeah. There's never really been a, a huge amount of respect. I think a lot of people think that anyone can do it. Well, that's because everyone listens to music. Everyone consumes art. I've got Everyone an ATM card. Goes, Does that mean that I'm a yeah, finance reporter? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Sorry, overly simplistic. No, but, but seriously. Oh, but this is this is the other thing. You know, I think people that the general level of disrespect for people who are creative as well is astounding. Like a friend of mine put on a show. He's putting on a show after two years of not being able to put on a show. It's eighty five dollars a ticket, mm-hmm. and it's in a it's it's my it's my mate Rosso and I. And he doesn't even know that that I, I got so angry about this. And and my brother Kit, they do these shows in in houses, modernist houses that are very specific for architecture buffs for people who love that sort of stuff and also want to go to a comedy show. And on this this um, Facebook group I'm on, Modernist Australia. Someone, someone's put up a, a link to the show and someone else has written $85 for a ticket. You'd want to get three, you'd want to get three courses and drinks for that. <laughs> and I am just, I, I, okay, are you fucking serious? There is, they'll happily pay a plumber, you know, 
$35 for 10 minutes, yeah. like that's how they charge, 35 bucks for 15 minutes. Like it just goes up, 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 up. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, they're just expensive, that's right, but they're doing a job. But with the arts, no one factored in the fact that it's got a it's a house, it's someone's house. Yeah. They're putting on they're putting on all the gear, all the tech, the entire show. There will be you know and it's like there's just no respect for the art and the work that goes into creating art and and it just infuriates me. It I think inf- people still see it as a hobby, as a bit of fun I on the know. side. And it's like, well, if we haven't learned anything from the last two <laughs> years of COVID and the fact this whole industry is shut down, people crying out mm. in distress. Yeah. Then where to from here, you know? Like yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. it's wild. Sorry, I took us off on a tangent there, but <laughs> but I think I'm always here for you standing up for the arts. But I do think that you know, come on, Channel Seven, sending someone that's not got a background in this and doesn't kind of maybe does understand the art. I could be making assumptions, but I don't know. Like, well, what what would if he asked? I mean, and that's what, what I that's I worry about. What the answer to that question is? If you didn't listen to the record, what kind of questions were you going to ask? Were you going to ask about her weight, about her divorce, about yeah, living in LA? All celebrity focused, exactly. Was it all like that what, kind what was of the point of it? stuff? And this is why I also understand why artists have conditions now too, because there is so much desire for content, and that everything anyone says now who's of any kind of celebrity stature gets raked over and twisted and, you know, they, they make a meal out of the tiniest things and it can end up just being huge. Yeah. And I, I kind of get that other side of it as well. And also I don't mind conditions being put on an Adele interview. Like I said, she's she's already showing you her art. She's talking to you through her music. Yeah. And she would be a great interview regardless. And she would give you what you need. Like I can't imagine that she would be anything but gracious and giving. She Every interview I've ever seen her do has been amazing. Yeah. And, you know, you might not get anything groundbreaking necessarily, but why would you? You get to sit down with Adele. Yeah. So, it, like, there's What this, a privilege. Yeah, I'm really confused about it all in that sense, you know. get. I know people are getting upset about the power that, that the artists have, but at the same time, like, someone like Adele, she's not withholding. And she's earned that. She's earned it too. Sometimes, you know, I think we need, we, we want too much from people who are already creating things yes, and giving us things. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. If she doesn't give any more and, and someone asked a few bad questions and, and that shows how bad the industry is and how much control they've got, like, well, someone like her, she's fine. Someone like Beyonce, that's fine. <laughs> Have your control. It's good. And you know what? I think sometimes people don't like the fact that these women do have control. Yeah. Well, we're talking a lot about women who have been um, exercising their control mm. in recent weeks. Your tweet was amazing. Nailed it. Well, just, you know, reading the room. Yeah. Um, what was it again? Um, something along the lines of... I thought of, you were going to do a Miff Googles then. No, Haven't had one well, of those for a while. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I can't Google because I'm keeping up the financial review article that's come up on my phone, but... <laughs> I, which we're going to talk about next, which I can't access so on my many computer. Little teasers in bang on. So because I can't access it because I've already looked up a few articles and I've done my number. <laughs> and, I'm, and look, let's be honest, I'm not subscribing to the AFR, am I? No. I look, I believe in journalism and paying for journalism. This is so peeling back the curtain. <laughs> We've got so many tabs open because we've exhausted our free articles for the month and it is so true. Yep. The yep. other thing that I loved about before we wrap up on Adele because, you know, we could just clearly talk about her forever, but I do love and very personally love that she has gotten Spotify to hide oh. the shuffle button from albums on its service. She hasn't gotten rid of the shuffle button, but I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you open up, 
Spotify, some people automatically without realising have shuffle, you know, selected. And certainly on the top of albums, it used to be right there at the top next to the play button. She's now gotten them to hide that. You can still shuffle if you want, but you have to go in and and change a couple Mm. of of settings. And for an organisation that is dominant in the audio space Mm. and the dominant streaming service in the world and an organisation that doesn't really listen to criticism very much, they don't listen to criticism around how much they pay artists per stream, all that sort of stuff, the fact that they have listened to her and changed that is a huge win for people experiencing the art as it was intended. And you love that because your playlist, every time your playlist come out, you're like, you need to listen to this as intended. I was really school teachery about it for the because I've been doing my monthly mixtape for about five years yeah. now. I think I actually just marked the fifth anniversary of it. <laughs> every month I was like, now listen to it in the like from beginning to end, don't press shuffle because I would spend a long time totally. curating a story and they're not my songs and it's not my story, but I definitely had an arc as a music mm. programmer. It's I had got an your arc. mist over it. It's got the mist, <laughs> bit of mist on it. She's put, she's put her mist over it. Sounds like I need a face mask for that. <laughs> um, we didn't read out your tweet, which I love. Oh, you found it. Yeah, I found it. The strong female pop artists of the world using their own experiences to bring awareness to unjust conservatorships, record label contracts, owning your own masters, disrespectfully unprepared journalists. And then you wrote, hopefully soon we can just hear from them about their music. And I was like, yeah, nailed it. Preach. Yeah. Just saying preach about my own tweet. <laughs> but seriously. It's get true. Out, I'm like, just sick I'm of s- talking about all this other shit. Let's just talk about the music. I know. And that's that's what shocked me. It's like I came here and just realised I hadn't even listened to the Adele album. I've been so consumed by all the shit around it. On the drive, on the Although way home. Although it has been enjoyable. Yeah, it's great. And it's a great record. Um, I loved it. I'm going to listen to it over and over again. I almost want to be heartbroken so I can really feel it. No, no you I don't. don't. <laughs> You know that, okay, that just reminds me very <laughs> long time ago, about 12 years ago, um, I had a pretty heartbreaking breakup and I moved in off that breakup out of the home I was living in with, with my former boyfriend and into a share house with someone who ended up becoming a great friend who was younger than me, but ha- had a wisdom beyond her mm. e- years. And as I moved in, she, um, I was nursing this heartbreak and she said to me, she gave me a book and she said, um, I started reading this and then I stopped because I wanted to save it for when I was heartbroken because it's perfect for that and I want you to have it. Oh. It was Eat, Pray, Love. And Get it was out. perfect. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's so namaste. I've, but never, it is read, a I've never read that, but Elizabeth, I love Elizabeth Gilbert. I've read everything else of hers and she is amazing, but she, I've never read Eat, Pray, Love. If, yeah, if you're ever feeling a heartbreak, that's the book for you. I guess and we, the we Adele told, record, yeah. both of them. <laughs> Slam dunk. Can we talk about that? Were we told that Elizabeth Gilp, that Eat, Pray, Love was cheesy because it was about, like, and it's it's not, it's a good book? I think it is a good book. I think it has a few accusations levelled at it at the privilege of a woman being able to leave everything behind and travel the world. Mm. That's the reality of her background. Yep. Um, I can understand why that rubs people the wrong way. I also think that it was tarnished with the brush of the really shit Julia Roberts adaptation. <laughs> But I maintain it's a perfect book for heartbreak. Which I've never seen. What have I done? What's going on with me? I've missed these mainstream moments. All of your pop culture needs from Miff Warhurst, who may have seen it. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Miff, there could be a new word in the Macquarie English Dictionary. Every year they do Word of the Year where they look back at, you know, the things that we've been saying in the last 12 months and figure out whether they're worth adding into the dictionary Mm. permanently. And, man, there's some doozies here. I, I don't know what any of these are. Well, I there's a couple there. Delta. A, Delta, I know Delta. 
And I know hate follow, that's like hate like, you know. we've been, Which is so your vibe. We've been call it, calling it that for, <laughs> for years. Catch up, word of the year, catch up, word of the year. <laughs> NF- NFT, um, non-fungal, fungible, what is it? We never know. Fungible no. token? Token, yeah, that's it. I still don't understand what they do. Yeah, that's right. It's digital something. Um, that's three and... I don't know any of the others and there's at least 15 more. Well, there's a few that have resonated with me and I didn't quite know what it was but absolutely know what it means. Porch pirate? What the hell is that? Is that just someone, is this a COVID term where someone would just always be at the front of their house and just (laughs) annoying the shit out of you? Close. What does it mean? It's a person who steals parcels which have been left outside Ah. a home by a deliverer and I've had a porch pirate during COVID. (laughs) My neighbour saved my package from running off down the street. Thank you, Serge. (laughs) It's crazy. What's dry scooping? Oh, God, dry scooping, which sounds... It sounds like what I have to do. Like a kink, oh, to be honest. Well, it sounds like a kink. Well, it sounds like what I have to do when I pick up the dog shit and, <laughs> and, and I haven't got a bag and I have to use a, a leaf to move it off the road. What does it mean? Dry scooping? Yeah. I don't know. I think it means when you scoop protein powder and eat it without diluting it with water or milk. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Who's doing that? Dump cake. I don't know who's doing it, but obviously enough people to have it up for word of the year. Dump cake, a cake which is prepared by combining the ingredients directly into the cake tin or dish in which it is to be baked. Who's doing that? Oh, my mind went straight to two girls in one cup. (laughs) Like, that's not, that's not. They're not, and they're not words. That's t- not word of the year. That's two. As a fan of pragmatism, I quite like front stab, which is the opposite of backstab. It's to betray someone openly without subterfuge. Oh. <laughs> and the the weirdest one, I think, and a couple of other publications picked this out, Menti B, which is a breakdown in one's mental health. I'm just having a Menti B. Having a Menti B. I don't know if you can be colloquial about a mental breakdown, Menti B, but maybe yeah. you can. Yeah. Maybe it normalises it. We're all having a bit of a menti bee. Menti bee, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, once you casualise the language around something, I think that does mean that people are more accepting of it. Or Make mental breakdowns normal. Yeah. Normalise mental breakdowns. Yeah, or it could be that it's a way of, uh, I don't know, I don't know with that one, menti bee. Not sure. Um, so be curious. That, that's not a word. Actually, a lot of them aren't words, they're two words. Yeah, I'm, I'm angry about this. <laughs> I don't like any of them. What's woke scold? <laughs> Anything that uses woke, I think it just shows how much it's not a word of the year because <laughs> no one no one except wild right-wingers are using woke now. It's true. It's it's over. It's been over for years. I reckon Delta's going to be the word of the year. It's just It's got to be, right? It has to be. But then there's also brain tickler, which is two words to be pedantic, but... Um, <laughs> Surely that's the stick that goes up the schnoz. Yes, in, in horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, I only got a COVID test well into the pandemic yeah. and they'd gotten better at the, because yeah. I just haven't been sick for two well, and a half I, years. I wasn't sick either. I didn't have to get one until I, I've, I've never had one because I felt sick because I haven't felt sick. So you've never had a COVID test? I've had one, but only for work. Oh, okay. And that was But my... they've gotten better at them. So the whole yeah. brain tickler thing, not so it's bad. Over, yeah. When I got my COVID test, it was so, it wasn't painful, but it was so ticklish that I started explosively laughing. Like <laughs> sneezing. Ex- exhaling <laughs> lots of air while I laughed. And the nurse looked like she was going to kill me. Oh, my <laughs> She's God. Like, Get your breath away from me. Yeah. I was like, ah! <laughs> 
like being tickled when you're a kid. Someone giving you a raspberry. <laughs> so maybe I do get brain tickler. Miff, before we get into what we're banging on about this mm. week, I just wanted to share something because we get so many great messages every week into our bang box. And one in particular this week stood out. Um, she listened to Bang On last week where we were talking about Britney's freedom, about Marilyn Manson being exposed, and she felt compelled to send us this little voice message. My name's Gemma. I'm from Sydney. It's, it's just, I'm just sick of in it. <laughs> and it's, I just thought to myself, I would love to actually have some kind of way a list, a criteria, a, you know, one of those like ticks that you see, which is like, you know, Heart Australia approved or like Australian Heart Foundation. This is good for your heart. So something that's good for me as a woman, can I please have a way to identify things in the world that I can consume that don't hurt other women, that don't make me think that things are okay? I mean, as, as Miff said, this, you know, finally we have words to put to things. You know, it's like a huge awakening and I'm just, yeah, I'm so sick of consuming things that are just shit for the world and for women in particular. We're always the ones that are the worst off. So that's just food for thought. Thank you both. Thank you both amazing. Honestly, you're like the people, the friends that I think I have. So um, just so you know, you're both my best friends. You don't even know. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for everything you do. And I really do enjoy the more serious tones of some of these episodes because it is actually infiltrating everything, even the fluffy stuff. And I, I can't not kind of experience it that way either. So it's really nice to have that with um, my favourite podcast. What a great message. So good. Thank you, Gemma. Kind of encapsulates how we've all been feeling. It's all a bit, it's all a bit exhausting, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's I've got, it's got me thinking this message because I sort of I understand, and the the fact that she used like the half foundation tick of approval, it's yeah. almost like <laughs> or a warning thing of like this is bad for you, this is good for you, mm. or you know, vegan friendly, anything where it's kind of a guideline of this is a safe safe you know thing if you're um, that way inclined. But also I'm kind of torn because, you know, a lot of what we talk about on Bang On, we're viewing things that maybe we've changed our views on as we've grown up. I think a lot about my internal biases and how that's, you know, being aware of that, being made mm. aware of that, how oh, I shocking. reacted to things when I was a little kid, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, you know, when it's brought into our world and when we face it and have to face it, we can see it for, for what it is and why it's there and view it with, with new eyes. And, of course, for many people who maybe don't see it that way, have conversations. And the fact that those conversations are getting louder is a good thing. I don't know if putting things in a bubble of this is a safe space to, mm. for you to enjoy it um, keeps that pressure on. And I think that we always need to remember that anytime there's great change, it's so uncomfortable mm. and it sucks and women have been uncomfortable for a long time, but it's not. I don't think it's always going to be this way. And pushing through it and against it, um, I know it's exhausting, mm. but we're getting there. Think about the conversations we're having today versus the conversations we had five years ago, ten years ago. As frustrating as it is, you know, facing stuff 
and being sharing the same space as everybody else in order to do that um, will make a more inclusive space for everyone. Mm, mm. So I'm kind of torn, but I also think that that's a really interesting idea, again, of how you, you know, have a, an ethical space when you can't separate the art from the artist, um, how you know. And that's something that I like. Whenever someone dies, the first thing I Google is... Yeah, were they... Were they problematic? Yeah. <laughs> like, how fucked is that? It's it's good, though. Before we talk about them on every outlet on ABC Radio and TV, yeah. what's the full story of this person's life? And often it's um, muddy and we talk about that, which is yeah. good now. We don't just necessarily praise the people that have left um, without acknowledging some of the shit things that they did. That's a big change. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Oh... I don't know. I get the exhaustion. I absolutely get the exhaustion. Yeah. Because it seems to be happening more and more and more. And even the good ones. Like, I mean, there was the Prince stuff that Sinead O'Connor yeah. spoke about recently. It's like, oh, if he's not good, who is? Mm. You know? Um, I don't really know what the next the next phase is, how we can stop feeling this exhaustion other than to accept that this is going to be the way forward from here on in, mm. that there are, that, I mean, let's be honest, most of the problematic people are male <laughs> and it's, you're right, it has to be told and maybe there are a lot more non-problematic male artists and male creators out there than we think. It's just that it feels like a lot at the moment. Um, but we're also talking about it more than ever. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's that idea true. of like leaving the world in a better place than where you found it. I mm. think that and even seeing, you know, the younger female artists coming up mm. in the music world who have a lot, a much greater sense of agency, mm. seem to have a lot more freedom to do the things that when we were growing up we didn't necessarily see in popular culture in, in music. And that's a shift that's happening. Yep. That's a generational shift that's happening. Um yeah, but that yeah, like you say, the exhaustion is real. You you sent me an amazing pe- <laughs> well, piece. Well, if in we're me. exhausted, Zen, <laughs> I'm really feeling for the gentlemen who were in a study that the AFR have reported on uh, to find that half of men are fatigued by gender equality. So tired. Oh, so now this t- is a. Can I just say this is a clickbaity headline because totally, when you dig into it. the article, mm. but it's true. It's a, a collective called the Dream Collective who work with big companies, you know, Coles, Amazon, Adobe, and they work with these companies to hire and retain female employees. And in this mm. research... Um, Just before we move on, though, hire and retain, there was something we didn't cover when we said we were talking about that sort of great resignation. Mm. A lot of women have have left the workforce, we didn't mention this last week, have left the workforce because they didn't have a choice. Mm. And I don't think we covered that because as parents it just became impossible yeah. to do a lot of things. So I think that was really, that was probably During something. During the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. That was something that I thought we missed because we don't have kids so it wasn't sort of front of mind. But yeah. there was a lot of women who left the workforce because of that. But anyway, continue, sorry. Yeah, so the founder and director of the Dream Collective, Sarah Liu, said that there was research that pointed to a discrepancy between men's perception and reality and what she said was basically that what that really signals is that people don't really have a sound understanding of what privilege is because for people with privilege, taking away that privilege mm. feels like discrimination. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. 
But also she goes on to talk about, which is the truth, you know, we need men to be part of this discussion. Mm. And, again, I think that that's sort of when I was reading this. (laughs) I know they're very tired. Stay with us because we're fucking exhausted. (laughs) What Gemma was talking about, about having this kind of heart approval tick of, you know, what I listen to, that, you know, as the reality is that a lot of people won't necessarily engage with that because they're like, that doesn't affect me. So I don't care about that. That's not part of my Mm. vibe. That's not my tribe. But if we we need the help of men, we need allies and we need, you know, because men have more power in society. I'm sorry, that's just a reality. And we need them along for the ride um, because they're the biggest change makers and that, you know, will help everyone. Diversity and flexibility in the workplace, all of that makes for much more successful workplaces. Mm. We've seen the data around this time and time again. So, um, yeah, it's that, that tiredness. Um, pull your socks up and... Yeah. <laughs> Realise that this is going to, you know. Welcome to the party. Having <laughs> Making space for others doesn't mean you necessarily lose your seat yeah. at the table. Like it's not, you know, equality doesn't mean discrimination. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? For eons there's been a part, you know, 50% of the population who have just expected that things will always stay the same. But the other 50% have always been discriminated mm. against and us coming up and saying we want to be, you know, get equal pay, get equal rights. Mm. Um, that's not going to knock you off your perch. We just want to be in the same room as you. Mm. So why, why so tired? Yeah. Why so sleepy? <laughs> Cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but that message from Gemma came at the right time too because we are coming towards the end of the year, Miff. We're yeah. going to take a little break over summer and as I mentioned earlier, Spoiler alert, I love round numbers. Mm. I just did some maths and our final episode for 2021 will also be our 200th episode of Bang On. There it is, there it is. And that's why you're working today when you should be on holidays. Yes. Because you wanted to make it a round number at the end of the year. You are unbelievable. Control freak. You know I'd leave it at 199. (laughs) I just like to tie things up with a bow at the end of the year. Um, But we want to mark it with a special bang back. We've done it before where we've asked you for your recommends of things that you've watched and listened to and read. I feel like this last two years and particularly this last year where that fatigue and that real mirror that we've held up to ourselves and the stuff we've been talking about over and over on Bang On has hit hard. Mm. I want to do a bang back about a big lesson that the Bang Fam has learned over the year. It doesn't have to be the biggest lesson. It doesn't have to be a breakthrough. Mm. Just one lesson you've learned from this year because you email us every week and share with us your beautiful feedback and your own stories and I reckon we should share that with the whole bang fam. Will we share our own too or do you want to do it now? Have you got one? No, I need a couple of weeks. Need a couple of weeks to think about it. So you've got a couple of weeks to think about it. So so yeah, we we can get this done on the 200th episode. What date? It'll be mid-December. Mid-December. Okay, sweet. Only a couple more episodes to go. Three more episodes for the year. so much about myself in the last couple of years. Like it's well, yeah. ridiculous. I, could, I don't know if I could narrow it to one. You said to me because I saw you last night at pictures mm. and when I said, how are you, you're just like, I said, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. Like I, had, I, had my, I had my session with my counsellor because, I, you know, it's been hard. The last couple of years have been hard. Um, and I actually had it with her on Tuesday and I said to you, I said, I've got nothing <laughs> for the first time in like I'm genuinely so really good. Yeah. It's awesome. Such a nice feeling. Well, you've worked through a lot of stuff and you've shared a lot of it with well, us. We all have. We all have. Yeah. You know? It's not 
it's not been an easy time. No. And, you know, good on us, all of us. And when you face those tough times, you learn things. Um, mm. You hopefully go forward in life and, and make things better for yourself and, and for those around you. Leave the world in a better place than where you found it. That's right. So we want to hear about that from you. Um, hit us up in the bang box. The email address, as always, is in the show notes. Mm. And we'll bang back with you for our 200th episode, mm. the final one for 20. 20- 21. What year is it? <laughs> I know. Hey, I do have to check. <laughs> are we going we gonna to bang on? Oh, just before we do bang on, can I do a little side bang on? We, you said you saw me a last night. A side bang. Side bang. Um, <laughs> you said you saw me last night. We both went to the, it was kind of an opening night for the Beatles Get Back concert footage. Um, Massive documentary. Documentary. Peter Jackson. Peter Disney Jackson. Plus. Six hours. Yeah. And look, to be honest, I've watched a gazillion music documentaries and the idea of watching another one really doesn't make me that excited anymore. Um, but this was pure joy. Yeah. So it was just delightful. And it was an angle on the band that I hadn't seen before. It cha- it kind of changes your perception of, of that whole time and why they broke up, you know, and no one broke up the Beatles. The Beatles broke up the Beatles. They were kids when they met. Yeah. They had a nice time when they made music that was still magic and it was still electric and it was so nice to see. And that narrative that we got about the Beatles and about Yoko, that again comes from a place of angry misogyny and that, that a woman had no right in that world and you saw how many men were in the in the room. It yeah. was all men, you know. But there was no animosity between the band and Yoko. There was like none of that. It was great. So beautiful. And everyone really enjoyed each other's company. They, yeah. they were making music <laughs> together. They liked each other. There was none of this bullshit we've been fed forever about the, you know, I'm sure they had their differences, but they were growing into different people. So, yes, I really enjoyed it from that perspective. Did you like it? I loved it and I'm going to be digging into all six hours. It's, I think, landing on Disney Plus today. Over the next three days, like I think three hours each time is going to drop or two hours. It's like six hours of viewing. Mm. Peter Jackson, famous New Zealand director, Lord of the Rings, et cetera, has basically restored, you know, the audio and the incredible film of... 60 hours of footage mm. that was captured as they were recording Let It Be and yeah. doing that famous final concert on that rooftop yeah. and you can watch it all. So I'm mm. going to be digging in and I loved it as well. Yeah. It's just so great. I was laughing my ass off in that I know, it was last gorgeous. night. It was just joy. It was pure joy. Yeah. And that's what you forget about. What a treat creative. to be in that room yeah. with them again as well. But creative people working together, that's magic. Yeah. You know, and you To get... be able to witness literally that spark of when things, songs Absolutely. came together. But songs that we've listened to, you know, millions of times now. Yeah, it was beautiful. So good. Um, speaking of beautiful, the Grace Tame Australian story is what I'm banging on about. Oh, yes. This I'm week. so glad you are. I don't need to say anything else about it other than all power to you, Grace. You are an extraordinary woman and I'm proud that you're in an up and coming um, generation of young women because you are a change maker and you have gone through extraordinary trauma and um, what you do is amazing and it, that whole thing was pretty pretty wonderful. Just get your eyes on it, that's all I can say. And get ready to cry as yeah. well. I learned a lot about Grace Tame from this episode and for someone who's been in the public eye so intensely over the last year while she's been doing her Australian of the Year duties mm. and standing up for those who don't have a voice, um, I, I thought I knew a lot about her but this was really eye-opening in many ways and also I think particularly just her, you know, acknowledging the the re-traumatisation of telling her story over mm. and over again and, and what that meant. But a phenomenal person. I loved it too. It's on Australian Story on Ivy. I'll put and it in the show notes. a real person. So you real. Know, she- she showed her. She's shown all parts of herself because she's had to. Yeah, and that takes a lot of courage, and she's got it in spades. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. What, what a are force. you? What are you banging on about? 
I'm banging on about one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. <gasps> oh, my God. You will love this. Really? You will love this. You might have read it. Insomniac no. City. No, I saw you review it on your Instagram. Is that right? Instagram? Is that how is you it, call it? Is that where you put it? Instagram. <laughs> I was halfway through going, did, where did I read this review of yours? Was it on Twitter? It's like a little Insta- door was creaking Insta- open. Instagram. Instagram. I did. Um, hashtag Zan's Book Club if you ever yes. need some good recommendations. Tell me more. So Insomniac City is a book by Bill Hayes. He's a writer and photographer. He moved to New York when he was 48 years old following the death of his longtime partner in San Francisco. So he's heartbroken, moves to New York at 48 and falls in love with the city but also... Oh, there's hope then. You can still fall in love at 48? Yeah, and also... Not that I want to because I'm done with that. You can move to New York at 48 <laughs> and still like get in there. Like I always think about moving to New York at like in your 20s and it's like yeah. you can be enchanted by it. Well, I moved to London when I was in when I was 40. Yeah. yeah. The great cities of the world. Didn't last. I would have liked to stay but I couldn't make it work. But anyway. They find they, these cities give you life and this city gives Bill Hayes life and he, it also enables him to meet and fall in love with the neurologist and writer Oliver Sacks. My goodness. Who himself had never fallen in love, had been celibate for decades and basically came out in his 70s after he got together with Bill as a gay man and they were together until his death. This is beautiful. It is so beautiful. It's, It's captured in these little vignettes of journal entries and some of them are very short and some of them are wonderful stories and I love New York. I've been there more than any other place. Um many, many times and he just captures that wide-eyed wonder mm. of New York City. He takes every opportunity to live in, in the theatre of those streets and the subways, talking to people. Again, I'm just I'm reminding myself every day that everyone I pass on the street has a huge story and he's someone who asks the question of what their mm. story is. Yeah. You know, he's curious. He's a photographer. He's a writer. He's you know wants to hear from the people that he meets and... Then you've also got on the other side of it his love of Oliver and the sweetness and the beauty of their relationship, particularly as someone who has lived his life in a very particular way and then he's coming out in his 70s and him kind of supporting him through that um, and then, of course, supporting him as he becomes very seriously ill um, with an aggressive form of cancer. And I just loved it. Like it's just such a great reminder of our how incredible our brains and our bodies are, hearing his perspective. I've, I've read Oliver Sacks' work quite a bit before. I find him, he's an incredible writer and, again, he just thinks that, you know, rightly so that the brain is the most incredible thing in the world. But it being is. able to see that perspective through his partner's eyes and mm. this this beautiful wonder of Oliver Sacks was just gorgeous. Yeah. I just, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Oh, my God. And I bawled. Oh, my God, I bawled. You would love this book. Would I? Yeah. Am I ready for that? It's beautiful. It's hopeful. <laughs> I'm it's crying just, already. <laughs> it's so gorgeous. Okay. Insomniac City. Everyone okay. should read it. And yeah, when I posted on my Instagram, everyone who had read it was just like, oh my God, yes, this is one of the best books I've ever read beautiful. too. Okay. It's gorgeous. Thank you. It's the hope we need, you know, and it's the reminder of, I think that there's, you know, increasingly a lot of division and argy-bargy, you know, at the moment we're dealing with a lot of um, sentiment around freedom of rights and anti-vaccination and all that sort of stuff, which is, you know, when you look at the numbers in the minority, but it feels louder than it is and it's just a chance to sort of step back and go, we're all human, we're all sharing this space, we all have a story, you know, meet me, meet me there, Mm. Um, be open to 
the curiosity of life and to the people that are around mm. you. It was just a, it was a very grounding and beautiful book. And God, it made me miss New York. Yeah. What Tra- a city. Travel. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> hey, we're done. That's a big one. <laughs> we didn't think we had much this week. Oh, we're good at talking shit, aren't we? We are. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week for more of this. Yes. Bye, babs. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang on.